falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Amen? So I'm not, not going to go easy on you this morning. <laughs> All right, so hope for, you know, t- today's subject is, you know, a grain of wheat has got to fall into the ground and die. Uh, and that's very contrary to what the world preaches and teaches about life. Um, <clears throat> I thought I'd start with a couple of uh, stories and, and things. Um, I talked about the Tour de France. Surprise, surprise. Pat's all about cycling. Um, <clears throat> now, many of you may have watched the Tour de France and know that um, Chris Froome, the, Brit- the Briton, uh, won the Tour de France again for the fourth time. And uh, I'm sure Aaron had him in his dream team. <laughs> and Terry as well, I think. <laughs> um, and he won it quite, quite convincingly, I'd say. And, uh, <clears throat> now, cycling is a, is a team sport, uh, and you have uh, nine people in the team. And there's lots of different things that you can win. You can win uh, the race for the day. You can win the race for the overall. You can win the sprinting ones. You can win the intermediate sprints. You can win, be the first person up the mountains. And there's prizes for everything. There's prizes for everything. Okay? <clears throat> now, lots of teams, what they like to do is they like to... They've got lots of different riders, so they're nine people. They say, oh, we'll pick some people who are good at going up the mountains, and we'll pick some people that are good at sprinting, uh, and then we'll pick some people who can do this, and some people can do that. And we're, well, some people are good at just keeping going all week and, and, and winning. Uh, <clears throat> well, Team Sky, who uh, Chris Froome rides for, uh, the, the way they think is very different. The way, what they think is, Chris Froome can win the race. That's all that matters. Everybody else, what they want to do, doesn't matter. In fact, if you want to be part of Team Sky, what you've got to understand is that um, your aspirations, forget about those. (laughs) Your plans, they need to go to the side for a minute. We're a team, and we're all about getting Chris over the line and winning, and that's it. Okay? Yeah, but I could maybe get a podium. That doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, And we found that out this year with, uh, what's his name? Who came for? Mikel Lander. He came fourth by one second. He could have got on the podium. But really, he had to wait about four or five times for Chris to make sure that he came first. That must be a little frustrating. <coughs> okay? Um, so everybody else's ambitions, they have to die so that Chris can win. <laughs> Uh, and, and a lot of other teams look at that and they go mm. uh, but he keeps winning uh, and now this is the interesting thing now before the race the team have to decide what they're going to do with the prize money okay 
And what Team Sky do with the prize money is they divide it up equally by everybody in the team. Except Chris doesn't take any of it. Okay? So the other eight people, they get all the prize money. <coughs> now, I printed this off because I thought this was quite interesting. The prize money winnings, the team that won the most prize money was Team Sky. They won £716,590. Okay, of the two million, sorry, of the two million euros available. The next closest team won 243,000. And then it just goes down and down and down to the worst team, Cofidis, who won 19,000. <coughs> okay, but the, po the point I'm trying to make is that every single one of those guys who sacrificed their own ambitions, they ended up with more prize money than any other rider on any team. So, because they let their own ambitions die, they receive more fruit. Uh, and if we read this verse, it says, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds, or much fruit. And really, uh, uh, some of the things I want to talk about this morning is, is about that unpopular subject. Dying to self. Uh, it's, not, it's not top of the uh, uh, sermon list probably so much. You know, we like to hear sermons about how much God loves us. Uh, and we like to hear sermons about how you can do it. And how God's given you gifts. And how you have good things. And, uh, <clears throat> but this, this whole thing is so fundamental. This verse. If you um, want to see fruit in your life, this is the guiding principle. Does that make sense? I said to myself, I'm not going to say, does that make sense at all in this sermon, but I've already done it once. So. <laughs> Maybe you can keep count if you're bored. Uh, <clears throat> the problem with us is sometimes we can be so focused on us. Does that make sense? You know? So I'm getting some nods. I'm going in the right direction. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about our society. There's so many voices, aren't there? Telling us things like, it's all about you. You know, the overriding, um, the, the overriding voice in our society is one of humanism. Am I right? Humanism. And it sounds very much like this. How can I be happy? You need to do what, whatever makes you happy. That's what you need to do. You need to stop doing those other things. That's what the, our society says, doesn't it? You know, and um, <clears throat> Stephen Fry is the poster boy for Humanism UK. Uh, in fact, uh, if you go on their website, there's a little video of him, and their, their slogan is, How can I be happy? And our society buys into that, doesn't it? You, what you need is you need some new clothes and things will be great for you. And, and if you get a facelift, then it will, everything will be all right. And if you go on this holiday, everything will be great. And if you, do, do you know what I mean? And you can feel it, just the voices, you know. L'Oreal, because you're worth it. 
I'm not saying don't go and buy L'Oreal. But what I'm saying is there's a constant voice shouting in your ear saying, you, you, you are the centre. You are the centre of your life. You are the most important. Do everything for you. But I'll tell you what. It leaves you in a place of Never really being satisfied. You keep chasing, you keep chasing. And oh yeah, you had a good job and, and uh, I just want more. <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, and there's a sort of, do you know what I mean? There's just a sense where it just leads to emptiness. And um, <clears throat> it leads to you wanting, wanting something deeper. You know, and this is what uh, the, 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 the 50s to 60s generation are now struggling with. What they're struggling with is they've had good careers. Uh, they've, got an, they've got a lot of material stuff. And they're not happy. They want something more. They want something deeper. They, 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 they realise that there's something... What they want is, all oh, oh, that's good, but I, I want to be significant. Uh, and that, this is the sort of thing that they're struggling with. When we look at our Bibles, we see a completely different principle altogether than what the world is, is, is trying to shout into your soul and your heart all the time. A completely different principle. And it's this. Uh, it's just, let's have, a look, let's have a look at another verse and see if we can illustrate that. Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Uh, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Well, that's a bit different, isn't it? That's totally different. That's not what this world is preaching at all. They're saying, give it up, give up your life. Give it over. And do you know what I found myself doing? And it's so easy to slip back into. I'm just trying to have a life, you know. Do you ever find that? You know, it's just, oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I just want a bit of space for me. And I can get, I get, sometimes I get a bit obsessed with the fact that I've not got any time for me and I want to make some time for me and I want to do this and I want to do that. And oh, it's just empty. <laughs> and I realise, like, Lord, I've lost it. I've lost sight of you. And um, <clears throat> this morning, I, I hope to inspire you uh, that, that there is a way to see fruit in your life. Okay? There is a way to see fruit in your life. And it's not by chasing after everything for yourself. Um, I want to talk about uh, someone who um, is a real inspiration for me. Uh, his name is Eric. Eric Liddell, you might know him, (laughs) you might not. Um, The first time I was made aware of Eric Liddell was uh, when I was maybe 16, 17, and I was just uh, a young, young, 
guy who loved sports and loved just doing anything. And I used to get up in the mornings, I used to go running with my friends. And we used to run down to, um, I used to live at the top of Shooters Hill. And we used to run, uh, I used to meet my friend Adam at Well Hall. Uh, and then we used to keep running. We ran all the way to Chislehurst, no, to Mottingham, um, to uh, Eltham College. Uh, and they have a sports centre there called the Eric Little Centre. And we used, to, we used to run there, and uh, <clears throat> I remember throwing up a couple of times because I, I, I attacked, just like I do in cycling, I, on the run. And then I got 300 metres down the road and uh, uh, spewed all my Weetabix up on the floor because <laughs> I went too hard. But uh, <clears throat> that's my first memories of Eric. I, thought, Who? I said, who's Eric Liddell? And um, <clears throat> I just li- I'd like to tell you the, the brief story of Eric Liddell in case you don't know it. Um, Eric Liddell was um, a fantastic runner. In fact, in the 1920s, he was the runner. He was the 100-meter runner that nobody could really beat. He was just so powerful and strong. Uh, and um, uh, But he was a, a real... Uh, devout man of God who had a real heart for China he grew up in China as a missionary child um, and he came back to Scotland and he went to university at uh, Edinburgh University where they really picked up his his uh, his, his running skills and it, he could run like really like he was the I was thinking about how you would you know I think it's very much like it, the Olympic Games in 1924 uh, he was going to run the 100 metres. And it was a bit like Usain's going to run the 100 metres. You know, he was nailed on for gold, if that makes sense. There wasn't anyone who could really beat him unless he fell over or something. He was nailed on. <clears throat> but the thing is, um, Eric Liddell, it, he loved God more than anything. And he was very uh, devout Presbyterian uh, and... He wouldn't do anything on Sundays. That was his way. And uh, <clears throat> at the Olympics, the 100 metres heat, not the final, the 100 metres heat was on a Sunday. And uh, so he said, and this was, he knew this months before, he said, oh, I'm not, I won't run. I won't do it. That's not what, I, that's not what I'm about. And so he, he gave up his slot to run the 100. Uh, and they, you know, they were not very happy with him. <laughs> And you can watch Chariots of Fire, you can watch the movie. Um, They were not happy with him. Um, But uh, they put him down for the 400 metres instead. Now, the world record for the 400 metres at the time, I think now the record's like, I don't know what it is, 42 seconds, something like that. Uh, The record back then was 47 seconds, and he had an average... 400 meter time it was 49 point something but he he probably what he wasn't going to medal you know Uh, and they put him in for the 400 relay and the 100 relay as well Uh, and um, he went to the olympics and uh, he he uh, he ran the 400 relay and the 100 relay the day before um, the 400 so he was not in the best condition but he won the 400 and broke the world record um, and won the Olympic gold 
1924 uh, and really was a hero, uh, the hero of Scotland and, and really, I think, uh, a hero of everybody who um, was a Christian at the time because he stood up for something and uh, he'd sort of said, you know, what I want doesn't matter. Imagine that. You could win the 100 metres final and you were nailed on and to say, no, what I want doesn't matter and I'm going to let that dream die. (laughs) Incredible, incredible person Uh, and, and really showed that heart that says, you know, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. And that was Eric. Now, after he won the 400 and was Olympic gold champion at the height of his fame, 1924, he said, no, it's not for me. He said, I, I've got to do God's work and I know he's calling me to the mission field in China. In 1925, off he went. They said, you must be crazy. But this is the type of person, he didn't care. That wasn't relevant to him. He was willing to chuck all that fame, all that sort of self-adulation, and what everybody else thought. He was willing to just just let that die. Uh, And he went out to China, and um, he went through some real, real hardships in China uh, and, and he, he married and he had two kids and uh, obviously the war broke out and uh, eventually, eventually had to send his wife home because it was too dangerous to be in China. Uh, I think Japan and China were fighting and um, Japan took quite a bit of China and, and anyway, they, they created this, I think it's called in, internment camps and uh, Eric was in the camp and he would look after all the people and he ran the school uh, school lessons and, and he just loved everybody uh, and um, he was still there 1945 he, he was still there and um, he got uh, some sort of brain cancer or uh, brain tumour uh, and, um, and he died and that was it but really what you see from his life is there's that, you know, I'm inspired by him today. Well, the fruit of his life is, who won the Olympics? Who won the 100 metre Olympics in 1928? In, in what about, oh yeah, all right, fair enough. That's a very good point. <laughs> uh, what about 32? Was there one then? <laughs> 36. Can you tell me who won 36? 40? Can you tell me who won it in 40? 44? There wasn't one. <laughs> 48. Can you remember who won it in 48? No. It doesn't matter, that's why. Because it's just another race. But... Um, this is what's great, isn't it? When you, when you are willing to give up for God, you can do something that's eternal. Fruit that, that bears more fruit. Many seeds can come from it. Uh, and um, <clears throat> this is very interesting. Now, Olympic Games 2008, Beijing. Uh, 
the Chinese government, they, they came out and, um, and they said um, that they found a document uh, that said that they'd negotiated for Eric Liddell's release from the intern camp with Churchill's agreement. Uh, and he said no. He said no, give it, and he, and he asked them to give it to a, uh, a pregnant woman instead. Uh, and nobody knew that at all. And the, this, you know, for me, you look at this guy and you just think, wow. The fruit of his life has just been great. <laughs> and uh, was it because he, he did everything he could for himself? No. You know, because some people would say, well, you, you're good at running. You've you, you got to keep running. You know, you've got to do what's best for you. You know, you've got to build a legacy. You know, you need to win the 100 this year and you need to win the 100 next year. You know, and you need to keep going as long as you can. And, you, and, and that wasn't what he was about. And if we're going to follow Jesus, it's, it can't be what we're about either. You know, and, and you have to look, take a long, hard look at yourself at times and say, well, what is it, Lord, that you are asking me to give up? What, what in my life needs to die? What, what of myself do I need to give back to you? This is the wonderful thing, you know, and I look at Jesus, and I just think, well, he's matchless, isn't he? Uh, he's got no peers when it comes to anything, really. <laughs> but giving up? Oh, he's matchless. I was thinking about, I was just thinking about him, and what, what did he give up? Well, he gave it all, really. He gave up his career. He could have been a good carpenter. He had options, didn't he? That's not for me. Uh, he could have been a very good religious leader. Many people following him. If he could have said, well, I can see this Pharisee ladder to climb. I could, I could be head priest if I play my cards right. He could have been a political leader. There was many things he could have been if he chose to. Do you remember that time the disciples were saying to him, come on, go up to Jerusalem. And he says, I won't go. I won't go. It's not my time to go. And you see, his whole heart is not for himself. They were saying, you've got to go up to Jerusalem and glorify yourself. Show yourself to everybody. And he says, that's not what I'm about. I'll do what the Father tells me to do and uh, <clears throat> what about this what about the fact that he gave up his life he just gave it up and uh, it takes a lot of faith I, the thing I realised is you, you can't give up your life without faith Jesus had to believe that him giving up his life was a worthwhile idea he had to believe that he was going to pay for all the sin for everyone. That's a heavy weight to bear, right? And uh, I think if we're going to take on that heart, we have to have faith and we have to have belief in what God is calling us to. 
and what he's going to do and that he is going to produce fruit in our lives. Because I think sometimes we don't bother because we just don't believe God's going to do anything. We don't believe there's any point. Now, I, I looked up humanism and the, the foundational cornerstone of humanism is there's nothing. There's no afterlife. There's no purpose to life. There's no point. It's just a big bang. It's just science. Just do, whatever you, do whatever's good for you now because there's just nothing. And the thing I realised is there's no hope. Humanism, there's no hope. There's no faith. There's no reason to bother. And you won't bother if you've got no faith in your heart. That's what I've found. You know, you, you will end up being like, what's the point? What's the point in helping so-and-so? They never listen. What's the point in, you know, you could, you could be out in China, what's the point in being out here? No one gets saved. I might as well just be at home enjoying myself. We've got to, we've got to build our faith somehow. Uh, I just want to share with you a few verses. If you've got your Bibles with you. So I don't want to leave you down in the dumps, you know. <laughs> Today's subject's a pretty hard one, dying. Uh, <clears throat> but there's life. The great thing about uh, dying is, if you die to yourself, you can be alive in Christ. You can have a new life. Uh, and we talk about that a lot. And, and today I'm trying to cover off some of the dying parts. But there's a, the, the whole great point of dying is that you can come alive in Jesus. And you can have real life and real fruit flowing in your life because of him. So let's have a look at Colossians 2.20. And I just really want to build this picture. It says this. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why is it that you still belong to him? So we... The, the, the fundamental thing that I want to say is when we come to God, you know, you, you, can't, you can't enter the kingdom of God by a side gate or back door. There's only one way in and it's through Jesus. He says, I am the gate. And um, <clears throat> you've got to die with Christ. That's what it says. We've got to say, well, my life, the, my selfishness, the things that I want, I'm going to give it all to you, Jesus. I'm going to let it die. How about that? It's hard to do. But that's the starting point of the Christian life. It's not the end point. And then Jesus say, well, amen, I'll take all that rubbish. And I'll give you this new life. Galatians 2.20. Let's have a look at that. The hardest bit of this is me trying to find... These verses as Galatians. Here we go. I've been crucified with Christ and no longer and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Is that right? Am I doing something wrong? Is that right? Okay. Yeah, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is the point we have to get to. And it's not a point of keep trying hard. I'm going to keep being, do, you know, I'm going to keep pressing on and I'm going to keep, 
you know, I have to do this and I have to do... No, you don't. You don't have to do anything. You have to just let it go. Uh, and really, I want to spend some time in a little bit just for us to, to say, Lord, what is it I need to let go? What am I holding on to so tight? You know? Let's read one more. Philippians 2, 3. It's all the twos today, isn't it? This is one of, uh, this is, I, I remember this from a conversation I had with Terry, actually. Uh, so you can blame Terry for this one. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made into human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, in humble, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Now, what, all, I, all I really want you to get is this position of dying, this position of death is, you might say, well, Pat, do you know what, I, I, like, I like the you can do it love side of the church, you know, but that's really radical Christianity. I don't know if that's for me. That's, extre- you know, that's extremism. You know, I'm not, I don't want to be an extremist. And I, the thing I want to tell you this morning is dying with Christ isn't, uh, isn't just an extremist view. It's the normal Christian view. It's the Christian normal that we say, it's the end of me. Come on, Jesus. Wash through me. Your will. I'm not, I'm not in charge here. And the thing I found is, at the root of me, without Jesus, is just selfishness. I don't know about you, but I am. That's what I'm all about. I'm all about me, without Jesus. And I've got to let that die. So what does this sort of dying to self really you know, we talked at the very beginning about a seed's got to go into the ground and die before it's going to produce any fruit. And really, I want to produce fruit in my life. <laughs> I want to see fruit in this church. I want to see fruit in our ministries. You know, <clears throat> this is what I want you to consider. Who sits on the throne of your heart when you make decisions? How do you make those decisions? Are they based on what? best for you I'll do what I want to do I'll do it my way are you on the throne is self on the throne of your heart he's not on my throne but sometimes he jumps up there 
and got to kick him back off. Uh, yeah, here's another way. Here's a way to tell. Does your life revolve around these three verbs? Uh, to want, to have, and to do. That makes sense. To want, craving. Uh, to have, clutching. It's mine. It's mine. Uh, and I did actually watch, uh, I think some of this came out of the fact that I watched uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. It's free on Amazon Prime at the moment. <laughs> uh, but there's a sense, isn't it? I won't let go of myself. And that ring, that just represents that pure, pure selfishness. Um, <clears throat> and to do, I'm always fussing. I'm always fussing. I'm like, I've got to do that. You know, well, those things, they don't, craving, clutching, fussing, they're all, <clears throat> they don't represent any rest, do they? There's no rest in those things. There's absolutely no rest in those things. <clears throat> but when we uh, meet Jesus and we let him into our lives and we let him have everything and we let him wash it all out and fill us anew and we, we die with Christ, we die to self. And do you know what? We are released from the obsession of self which holds all those things. <laughs> and there's rest. So if you found yourself clawing <laughs> at things in life, does that make sense? Always pushing, always pushing. Consider it. Am I, am I got back up on that throne again? I want us to respond to this this morning and, and really <clears throat> have a little bit of time. The thing I realised is um, things don't accidentally end up on the cross. With the cross, you have to be deliberate, right? Uh, and there are things in our lives that we need to bring to God afresh and put on the cross. Does that make sense? But unless we're deliberate, they won't end up there. Now, I want to take you back to that, that verse. Now, for me, there's two types of people. There's the people who really have not decided to give their lives to the Lord yet. Well, do you know what? He's ready this morning to take your life if you're willing to hand it over. <laughs> and that's the tough bit, isn't it? Being willing to hand it over. And there are those of us who uh, have given our lives to the Lord. But like... Um, Knotweed. Anyone heard of knotweed? Dangerous stuff. Let's get knotweed in there. You've got to cut it all out, haven't you? But, you know, sometimes it creeps in and we've got to cut it out. And there uh, are those of us who maybe say, oh, well, selfishness, it's, it's just crept in the side uh, and I need to deal with it. And today I'm going to cut it out, all of it. Uh, and the thing is, it's hard to cut it out, but Jesus, he can cut it out for you if you ask him. 
okay? Uh, and I just want you to consider a few, few things. Now, I don't know where all of you are up to with the Lord, but, you know, where's your marriage up to? The thing I realised is, <clears throat> if you want to have a good marriage, you both got to die to, to your own selfishness. And if you do that, do you know what? It will be so sweet and lovely. Uh, sometimes one person is willing to die to their selfishness and the other one isn't. <laughs> that can be hard. Um, <clears throat> but I'd say, you know, what does it say to men? What does Jesus say? Jesus, Paul. It says it in the Bible anyway. It says, uh, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. What's he saying? Die for them. Uh, and that doesn't mean, you know, like, stab yourself in the chest. And <laughs> You know, like, I'm not saying that, but there are things sometimes where it's your will has got to die. Sometimes it's your break that's got to be given up. Your wants that have to come second or third or fourth in the family. <laughs> Tough, right? Women can't get totally off the hook, though, because after that it says, uh, <clears throat> wives, submit to your husbands. Oh, that's a death, that one, isn't it? <laughs> I'm only preaching the Bible here, though. But you know what I'm saying? If you want to... If you want to have this rest and this joy and this fruit in your marriage and your life, there has to be something that's got to die uh, in your heart. Uh, and, and I just want you to consider this morning, maybe with your family, your family situation, whether you've got kids or you don't have kids or extended family, whatever it is. What is it, God, that you want me to give up. What is it that has to die in me to see fruit in my family situation? Because it's there, it's ready, it's a promise. God's promise is that you will have fruit. That is a promise. If you, if you um, operate within God's parameters, you will receive God's reward. Does that make sense? Said it again, second time. <laughs> and I was thinking about this Rora. You know, lots of us are going to give, really. And do you know what? That's great. That's what I was thinking. That's great. Go and give. And don't be afraid to get to the end of yourself. I think sometimes we can have a very Western, cautious approach to, to giving and making sure we've still got enough. Uh, you know, we like insurance, we like things like that, we like things to be controllable and manageable. But with God, death isn't controllable and manageable, it's the end. And it's okay to let yourself go all the way. Jesus went all the way. And if he's asking you to do something, I'd say throw yourself into it. Let the other things around die. Really go for it. Okay? All right, well, I'm not going to say too much more. I'm just going to read that one last verse again. If I can find it. 
I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds or much fruit. And I just want you to think about that. Uh, and you've got to have faith and you've got to believe in that fruit. Otherwise, you won't be willing to die. Okay, and maybe what you need to say today is, Lord, do you know what? I'm not believing for anything. Fill me with faith. Give me more faith. And then I'll be ready. Does that make sense? You see someone who believes in something, you ask Chris Froome if all the training, all the hard work, all the sacrifices, all the giving up is worth it. He won't bat an eyelid. I know what I'm doing. My eyes are on the prize. His belief, his, his belief in his ability to win is really, really high. But you are on the winning side. And sometimes it can feel like we're not, but we are. Let your faith build. I'd like to just have a little bit of time now for us to just continue worshipping God, um, play a few songs. And, and during this time, during this time, I just want you to consider these things that I've talked about today and just say, Lord, what is it? You know? Sometimes a uh, revelation from God is a confrontation of yourself, of who you, where you're up to. Okay? But let's just have a little bit of time. But really ask the Lord, Lord, what is it? If you want to pray out, pray out. You know, if you want to come be prayed for, come down the front here, I'll pray for you.